Hey everybody, this is Rob from the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods and DC Primetime, and I'm here to tell you something that you should definitely be doing if you haven't done so already, and that is heading over to www.nextlevelradioonline.com. There's a ton of other great podcasts on the network if you haven't checked them out already, such as From Panels to Pixels, Two Fat Dudes, What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero, uh, an upcoming Lost Revisited podcast, uh, in addition to our flagship show, The Showcast Spotlight, which is about to probably get ready to kick off its brand new season of celebrity interviews. Great shows like The Melting Pat, Primetime Fantasy Football, and Con Talk. So whatever your interest is, there's definitely something for you at Next Level Radio Online. Make sure to check them out, like them, review them, share. Thank you guys so much for all of your years of support. Now, back to the show. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying, you know, violently? And wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Well, hello, Mr. Fancy. The following program contains violence, disturbing imagery, nudity, and, oh my God, why are you even watching this? Just run away. This shit is going to give you nightmares. For real. Nightmares where you are running naked on a treadmill made of razor blades, and your third grade teacher is pointing and laughing at you. Shh. Be very, very quiet. We're hunting wabbits and good podcasts but i'm sure we won't find any of that here oh wait this week we just might um i got myself a guest this week and uh he's no stranger to the world of podcasting i'll probably get a lot of hate mail this week telling me to retire and let him take over but it's all good it's all good i'm okay with that as long as i get to keep the k car i don't own we're golden and welcome back, learners, to the podcast so crazy, even the asylums want nothing to do with it. It is the Looney Tunes of podcasts, with even less credibility than a lawyer who only tells the truth. I'm talking about what lurks behind a quiet podcast zero. And I'm your host, Paul Not Funny Williams. All right. And this is... The 12th episode of the podcast. And it's a special one lined up just for you. You, the listener. Yes, you. I'm talking to you. No, not him. I'm talking to you. No, not her either. Okay. I'll shut up now. No, I won't because it's a podcast I'm supposed to talk. As I said, I have a special guest joining me this week. And it's my distinct pleasure to have one half of DC Primetime... And the host of the Showcast Showcase Spotlight, the man himself, Ben Beck, is joining me this week. 
and he and I will be discussing the latest Big Bang in the horror world. Making so much noise, yet it would seem like a silent film. How about we just call it A Quiet Place? I think we will. But first, I have uh, three things I want to quickly address. And then it'll be on with the show. Yeah, I'm going to stop hamming it up now and sounding like a game show host. But anyways, so I have three things, um, three news, newsworthy things to talk about. I didn't get, uh, like, I didn't write much down because this is more, let's say this week. Okay, it's newsworthy, but it's more like my opinions. Uh, so three things. Number one. So there's been some report on the internet about a test screening of the new Halloween film. And there is conflicting stories being posted on the internet. Some are saying that the movie bombed, that there's apparently a source. That's all we, we don't get no name, no nothing, just a, they're calling the person a source. And they are saying that the movie is abysmal, it's too much horror, too much death, too much gore, it's not a Halloween movie, and supposedly the ending leaves you feeling, um, like that there's no actual conclusion because John Carpenter has said that this is the final Halloween movie. There will be no more after this. Right. But anyways, at least none that he'll be involved with. He's doing the score, by the way. I don't know if I've mentioned that or not yet. Did I mention that last week? Fuck. I don't know. But anyways, so some test screening has been done. And on one hand, you have this supposed source saying that the movie is a pile of shit. And then there's another um, rumor going around the internet basically saying that this movie is what we want as a Halloween film. It has its conclusion that we've always wanted and that when the cast and the crew are saying this is the Halloween of Halloweens, we as fans will be pleased with it. Personally... My opinion on this shit, don't listen to either of them. I get so sick and tired of the media always, like, jumping on stories without, like, you can't even name a a credible source. I'm talking about credibility in my intro and whatever. But if you can't tell us the name of the person or at least, like, you know, the company they work for or the media source they work for, fuck off. Don't give me some fucking bullshit about, oh, we have a source. And then supposedly there's like an NDA out there for this test screening, whatever. Um, myself personally, I'm going to see this fucking movie regardless whether people say it's a pile of shit or not. So don't try to discourage us with supposedly saying this test screening bombed. And even if it did, isn't that the point of a test screening? To see if it bombs? Because if it does, we go do reshoots. Like, I'm not really fucking worried about it. The movie is, uh, what, six months away? Just under six months away. We've got lots of time to fix this movie if it's really that bad. John Carpenter hasn't even put the score to the film yet. So you know what? I'm not worried about it. And I know that there's been buzz on the internet about it. You know what, people? If you want my opinion, I know you don't, but you're listening, so 
You must want to know something. Um, anyways, don't listen to the bullshit, okay? That's the way I'm approaching it. I want to see this movie. I know this movie is going to be a Halloween film. Now, whether it's one that I like or whether I don't, it's hard to fucking say. Like, I personally like parts four, five, and six, and there's a lot of people out there that think they're steaming piles of shit. So, and I do like part six, the producer's cut. It's pretty fucking cool too. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's what I wanted to say on that is I know that there's conflicting reports. One saying it's a pile of shit. The other one saying it's, you know, golden like a goose. I'm not worried about it. It's six months away. If there's things they need to fix, they're going to fix them. I'm not worried about it. Another movie story. Um, not so much horror related, but it is. So I'm I'm talking about it. Plus, it's like a, a, a big topic at the moment. Uh, the Venom trailer dropped. And... Even at this very moment, I still don't know how I feel about this trailer. Which might be a good thing, might be a bad thing. Uh, as I said, if you've been on the Facebook page, I posted um, kind of like a, a little blurb with the trailer. Giving my thoughts on it. Uh, I need to see more, let's put it that way. Because this movie doesn't look bad. It doesn't look horrible. They're definitely, the writers and the creators of this film have definitely changed Venom's backstory. And they're calling it Symbiotes, like Oats, O-A-T-S. It's kind of weird, because uh, at least I've always heard it pronounced Symbiote. I know I even sometimes say Symbiote just to piss people off, but I've always heard it pronounced as Symbiote. I don't know, whatever. It's not a big deal. Like I said, I say Symbiotes just to piss people off. But the Venom, like, okay, so we've seen what Venom looks like when, when Tom Hardy turns into Venom. Not bad. A little on the plastic side, but this is brief. I mean, we're not seeing the character moving around and whatnot, so uh, I don't know yet. I, I do like the fact um, that the suit controls him, like the, the symbiote controls him. Uh, it has its own mind and whatnot, so I like that. Uh, Tom Hardy himself, I really probably not going to have any problem with him. I, what I want to see is Woody Harrelson as Carnage. That's what I want. That, 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 that's all I'm worried about at this point. But I just wanted to say, like, I think this movie's going to be good. But And a, a couple people I've talked with have said the same thing as, as I'm about to say to you. A Venom movie without Spider-Man feels weird. And I know last week I mentioned that, like, you know, Tom Holland is supposedly, uh, he's rumored to be in the film. Now, whether or not he will be or he won't be, I, I don't know. But that's the the internet buzz, the internet rumor. Again, I know, don't believe everything you read on the internet, but we, in this first trailer, we don't see any sign of Spider-Man whatsoever. And it's, I'm just... I'm kind of curious as to how I'm going to feel about this. I'll be honest with you. I'm going to see this movie regardless. I mean, unless the next two trailers, because we usually get three. It, the next two trailers, if they really look like pieces of shit, maybe I avoid it till like, you know, Blu-ray or Netflix. But I'm pretty sure I'm going to be uh, plopping my ass in a seat to see this movie. So that's kind of my thoughts on the Venom trailer. It is. It, it's 
cool looking. I mean, I, I do like what Venom looks like. He, like I said, a little plasticky, but it's very brief. So, I mean, it, we have a lot to... The, the, I need to see more is basically where I'm standing at it right now. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my thoughts on the Venom trailer. Uh, my third, um, third point I want to talk about, and I, I've kind of voiced a few things about what I'm about to talk about uh, throughout other episodes and whatnot. Um, we got the news this past week. Ash versus Evil Dead is dead. No more. It's over. And Bruce Campbell followed it up with basically saying that Ash Williams is now retired and dead. Not dead, but he's no longer going to be playing the role. It's time to hang it up and it's bye-bye Ash. I want to say, because I know that a couple times when I've talked about Ash versus Evil Dead on here, I've, I might have sounded like a little, like almost like pissed off. Uh, more so because of Lionsgate and Stars and the way they have handled this. They're assholes. They can go fuck themselves for all I care. But to Sam Raimi, to Bruce Campbell, to the the multiple actors who have been in the Evil Dead movies, to the actors of Ash vs. Evil Dead, to everybody who has brought Evil Dead to us for the last 39 years. I believe that's how long Bruce Campbell said he's been uh, playing the role. I want to express a little bit of thanks to them because... I like most of my life I, I don't know a world without Evil Dead like the first one came out what 81 and I mean at that point I was six years old <laughs> so I mean as far back as my memories go I don't know a world without Evil Dead and that is a, a, a huge part of that goes to Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell and I I you know, as I've said, like I, I've kind of, I've made my my thoughts very well known about how I felt about you know, especially stars and the way they, they they mishandled this third season and whatnot, putting it up against Walking Dead, uh, you know, pulling it from the October slot, you know, just fucking with the fans and whatnot. It it, it was a lot of bullshit, and I think sometimes that it came off that. You know, I had like this like blase attitude towards Ash versus Evil Dead. This season's been fucking amazing. The last season was fucking amazing, and the first season was like it was like a dream come true. And I I just wanted to put it out there that I absolutely love the whole Evil Dead experience, including the uh I wanna say it was twenty eleven. Uh, the kind of reboot, I guess you would say. I wasn't a huge fan of it, but it was tolerable for me. And of course, what made it, you know, perfect was the after credit scene with, you know, Ash going groovy. Like, that, and that's the thing. Like, even in that film, he's nowhere to be found the whole film and then makes one little appearance after the credits. Like, he has been doing this for so long. Him and Sam Raimi have been constantly driving the Evil Dead world at us and doing it with flying colors. So from what lurks behind Podcast Zero and myself being the host, Paul Not Funny Williams, um, I want to say thank you to Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell, 
all the actors, uh, Joseph DeLuca, who has done the music for almost every single property, to my knowledge. I don't know about the rebooted movie, but I know that basically everything else Joseph DeLuca has done the music for, and I love the music. I have all the soundtracks. I I love the shit out of this stuff. I have all the I have the three Evil Dead movies on VHS, DVD, and Blu-ray. Evil Dead has been a big part of my life. And I wanted to just express my thanks to them. I don't, they're probably not going to hear this, but I want to put it out there because I absolutely love the shit out of this stuff. It's going to be sad to see it end, which will basically be this upcoming weekend. But all in all, it's it's been a great run and I've loved everything we got. And I mean, I'll be honest with you. I never saw three seasons of a TV series coming from this and we got that. So this boy here, you know, he loves his evil dead. And I just wanted to express that shit. But now I think we need a little break. And when we return, the we I'm talking about will not just be myself and all those weird fucked up voices in my head, but a fellow podcaster and a great friend, Ben Beck will be with me. And he and I are going to break down the movie of the week, A Quiet Place. After this small break, which actually, okay, I'm going to put this out there now. Not a trailer. Can't play the fucking trailer. You know why? There's no talking in it. I think there's like two lines of dialogue. So I went searching around. I was like, I need to find something that's going to like, you know, be a break between the intro and the segment. So I was like, oh, what the fuck, what the fuck? And I'm looking all over the place for shit to add. And I found this really cool thing, which I think is going to be kind of cool because it's going to tie into the episode further down into the episode. So what you're about to hear is John Krasinski and Emily Blunt. They were interviewed by MTV about whether or not there should be a sequel to A Quiet Place. And now you get to hear it. The movie's getting such an amazing response. We want to see more from it. Would you be up for a sequel? Yeah, absolutely I would. I mean, it's one of those things where I can't even fathom what the sequel would look like or a prequel or anything. So I'm just so happy that this is in existence and that I had anything to do with it. I love this movie so much. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably one of those people who would want to see something happen with this. Well, I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. I, I, I sometimes... I just like films to be left alone sometimes just been just to be the event that you want them to be and not be sort of diluted by like another one and another one and another one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know, we might have started off a sort of, I don't know, a desire for one anyway. There's just so much there in that world. Yeah. I want to know what happened before. Yeah. I want a prequel. Well, I'm going to tell John that because that's what he thinks would be interesting too. That would be amazing. Yeah, he thinks that's more interesting as a, pre- <laughs> as a prequel. Welcome back, Lurkers, to What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero's episode on A Quiet Place. And this week, I am not alone. I have a friend. It is uh, my absolute pleasure to welcome to the podcast a fellow podcaster from DC Primetime and the Showcast Spotlight. And he is one of the masterminds behind the Next Level Network, 
a good friend of mine. Welcome, Ben Beck. I'm I'm new to this whole podcasting thing. Is this where I talk? <sighs> sure, bud. <laughs> <laughs> You're new to new it. To sure. This whole new to this whole podcasting thing. I don't know, right? Nobody uh, believes that. No. <laughs> I've been podcasting for five years and. You got God. three. You got three years on me because I've only been doing it two. <laughs> I have three years on you, and probably like four or five shows on you too. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> I probably between everything I've done over the past four years, I've probably done close to like a thousand episodes total. Oh, that's awesome! Oh, God, that's, is it? <laughs> uh, it is, man. It means you have a lot to say. That's true. That's yep. very true. And I'm not. I'm not even close to done, man. I got nope. two new podcasts in the in the in the chamber right now. Yeah. What you're doing? A Lost Revival one. Lost Revisited. Yep. Uh, yep. The Lost Rewatch, which actually launches June first nice. on the Next Level Network, officially launching on June first, uh, and then that'll be the first and fifteenth of every month. And then hopefully sometime this summer, I will finally be launching the Wilhelm. Yeah, I, I keep seeing that uh, advertised on the Next Level uh, radio website, and I'm like, oh, when's this one coming? Yeah, and then I got another one even. I got ideas for another one, too, and it's just one where uh, I, it's a rotating cast of about like six to ten people so that not everybody's doing it every right. week because we all have our own weekly podcasts. Uh, but it's pretty much going to be where the listeners – submit the topics anything from what ifs to would you rather's to discuss okay. this minus politics and religion yes obviously uh, the topics will be sealed and mm -hmm. the cast will not know the topic they are discussing until the podcast begins oh shit that sounds awesome <laughs> <laughs> it will be a third party uh who reveals the topic at the top of the show and that is what we are discussing right on i like that idea actually so yeah, man, it's once you get into podcasting, it uh, it, it becomes an addiction and you kind of just keep doing it just because you love doing it. Yep. I, I trust me. I know like going back two years when I like started this, it was like I had no clue what I was doing, using shitty equipment, everything. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to hack this out And two years later and I'm still loving it. And yeah, doing a podcast that was my dream podcast, a horror one. So. And we're happy to have it as part of the network, man. Oh. I've been listening to it every week, and I'm I'm glad, man. I'm excited. Awesome. Thank you so much get, for that. And I got a couple couple lurker recommendations, too. I know we've already talked about the day that you do an Event Horizon podcast. I am on that one. Oh, yeah. You're in. You're in. Don't worry about I, that. I'm on that one for sure. But I thought of another one. I don't know. I don't remember if you've already done it. I don't think you have. What's that? Um, but I know with the newest film iteration just released mm -hmm. uh you gotta do a tremors one. Oh yeah that tremors is it, it'll be coming okay it'll be coming don't worry because they just released the sixth movie yeah i think it was cold day in hell or something like that That and there's the tv series coming oh i didn't know that yeah i, I believe there's a tv series um i'm almost positive i read that no you could oh, be right i just don't I think you're right. Actually, I think I do remember reading something about that. Yeah. So. Tremors series. You're probably right. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, there's Ugh. a TV series and a game. 
Oh, the game would be fun. Uh, yeah, that'd be fun. Well, there was, okay, there was a Tremors TV series back in 2003. There's an uh, untitled television series that's to be announced. Uh, and there's, uh, okay, Tremors the game was canceled, but then there was Tremors 3D game in 2015. There's nothing announced though for upcoming, so they've already had a game for it. I was unaware of this. I'm just finding out now. So. <laughs> yeah, you know. But uh, yeah, there is another series coming because if I remember correctly, it seems to me that I read that Kevin Bacon is supposed to be part of it. That'd be awesome. Yeah. It, it, let's see. Uh, supposed to be written by showrunner andrew miller filming taking place between october 2017 through november 2017 uh i thought i read that they we're still filming i don't know welcome to our discussion on a quiet place right i know <laughs> Talk we're about, talking about tremors i don't know yeah we should get into a quiet place shouldn't we because yeah. all right so a quiet place was released april 6 2018 <laughs> Uh, and it was released with Tremors. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> That's what was behind it, it. Actually, it did send Tremors through the horror world because uh, it was a smash hit. But um, So the film was directed by John Krasinski, written by Brian Woods, Scott Beck, not Ben Beck, but Scott Beck, <laughs> and John Krasinski, produced by Andrew Form, Brad Fuller, Michael Bay, which surprisingly I loved a Michael Bay film, uh, Brian Woods, John Krasinski also produced, casting by Maribeth Fox and Laura Rosenthal, and the music was by Marco Beltrami. Not that there was a lot of music, but when there was, it was, you could tell it was a good, decent score by, a, you know, someone like Marco Beltrami. Uh, the starring cast, not many people, which was kind of nice, but Emily Blunt played Evelyn Abbott. Uh, John Krasinski, who basically had his name all over this movie, uh, played Lee Abbott. Uh, Millicent Simmons was Regan. And from what I read, she actually is a, a deaf actress. She is. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I wasn't aware of it till after I saw the film. I was like, oh, shit, she really was deaf. That's awesome. Like, she, she was amazing. I absolutely loved her in this film. Um, Noah, I'm going to say his last name is Jupe. Uh, played Marcus, Cade Woodward, Le Leon Rosam, and Doris McCarthy. And that was the end of the cast. <laughs> There's no one else in this movie. Um, yeah, it was relatively, relatively small. Actually, cast. I changed that. There is one other cast member, The Silence. The old man. The Silence. Oh, oh okay. The Silence. Well, the, the Quiet is its own cast member in this movie. It really is. It's a character yes. in the film itself. Yes. And I absolutely love that about this movie. Uh, the and the odd, the oddest part about that too is it is the loudest character, right? In the, the movie, yeah. I never had the terms the silence is deafening. Like never was it more true than this movie. Nope. Um, moving on, the synopsis. So two parents do what it takes to keep their children and soon-to-be newborn baby safe in a world full of creatures hunting every sound they can hear. Not a sound can be heard from the family hiding in silence, but all it takes is one noise and everything can go wrong. And you find that out within the first five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, quick. It, it's, 
Uh, yeah, like, <laughs> and, and that was the thing. Like, this movie starts, and it's like dead silent in the theater. Like, I, I'm gonna get into the whole theater experience with this movie in a bit, but it was like that was the first time I think I've seen a movie where it started off dead silent, and I was like, when does when's the sound start? <laughs> it was like it was really cool though. Made it very hard for me to like. I I don't know about your theater, but like we had like the leather recliners in our theaters. Oh, that's what we had too. Okay, you don't want to move because like someone can hear you moving. It was like, what the fuck? This is messing me up. And that's a, yeah, and it's it, it wasn't that I didn't want to move because I didn't want to pe- hear. I didn't want people hearing me. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to move because from the moment the movie started, I was hooked. Yeah, that too. I was engrossed. I didn't want to move because I just had no interest in moving. No. And that's the thing. Like this movie, the way it starts, it sticks the landing like right from the first set of like flashes on the screen. Like it, it's engulfing right from beginning to end. Yeah. Uh, okay. So quickly... IMDb has the movie rated at 8.1 out of 10. I'll bring we'll do our ratings at the end of this, but uh Rotten Tomatoes 95% fresh, which is good. I actually don't have to tell Rotten Tomatoes to fuck off this week. <laughs> uh and when I was looking it up it said 90% of Google users like this film. Um it's true. I actually I haven't seen anyone complain about it really. I have seen almost no complaints at all about this movie. Like from, I, I, they've been, yeah, they've been so rare. That yeah, I kind of forgotten them. Like, well, and that's the thing. Like, it, like it, certain horror groups that I pay attention to, or like things I follow on Twitter, it's like you'd see like one complaint and then like a bunch of like praise, and then one complaint and a bunch of praise. Like, it's it, there's a lot of people not complaining about this movie, which is kind of nice for once. <laughs> yeah. And this uh, this was pretty cool. So the budget for the film they spent seventeen million. Uh, box o- box office gross as of April seventeenth was at one hundred and sixty two point six million worldwide. Has certainly made its money back. Almost like for ten sure. times, ten times the amount well, it spent. Well, they say a movie has to double yes. its spending in order for it to be making money. Yeah. So yeah, so I mean, you figure, how much did you say it made? It cost seventeen. It cost million. seventeen so million. The, the, the minute the it crosses, moment it hit thirty four. Yep. And it was a hundred hundred sixty two point six million. Oh yeah, so a, phew, more than more than successful. And its first week, the film it knocked out of top spot was Ready Player One. Which that's which, that says a lot because Ready Player One is still riding the hype even right now. <laughs> Yes. So although my theater, um, it's so funny because uh, again, it, it's weird. It goes to show you that like my local theater has more showings right now of Black Panther than it does of Ready Player One. Um, but I think that's just because it's preparation for Infinity War, oh, which yeah. opens this weekend. And but there's also still a good amount of showings of a quiet place. At oh the yeah. Theater as well. I, I, yeah, actually I noticed, uh, cause this week I was looking, uh, to possibly go see a quiet place one more time. And we're still getting like four showings a day, 
seven days a week for a quiet place. Uh, Black Panther is still run uh, airing here as well. Uh, I think I saw that also at four showings a day. And Ready Player One is like at four or five showings a day. So like all three films are still airing like very consistently or still running, whatever. Um, yeah. Well, I know like A Quiet Place, I'm looking at my Movie Pass app now, and mm-hmm. A Quiet Place has three screenings just this evening. Okay. You know, 8, 8.15, and 10.30. So it's, right. you know, it's still showing a good amount. Yet there's only one showing of Rampage tonight. There's only one showing of Super Troopers 2 tonight. <laughs> so a lot of theaters are just gearing up for, man. They're, they're gearing up for Infinity Wars. It's That's what it is, yeah. Rampage does kind of make me laugh. I, you probably saw it as well, where The Rock... I did see it. Where the, no, no, no. Uh, the Rock's tweet about how they were at 53% fresh. And he was, <laughs> yes. we're, we're the highest rated video game movie. I was like, oh, shit, really? Yeah, that's not saying a lot. <laughs> no kidding. That's not saying a lot. <laughs> I ha- I haven't seen Rampage yet, but uh, from what I heard, it's I guess fun. it's a fun, it's a popcorn movie. It's fun. It's a leave your brain at the door and go yeah. and enjoy the movie kind of movie. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get The Rock being The Rock and, you know, large animals. Okay, like, what what more do you need? I mean, the game, yeah. it, the game itself, I remember playing the game as a kid and, what, it's just big monsters tearing cities apart, like... Just smashing buildings and eating people. Exactly. So it's it's like you say, leave your brain at the door and just go have fun. Yup. But back to this movie. <laughs> we keep getting distracted. I know, it happens. Um, I don't know that I would say that you have to leave your brain at the door, but this one from beginning to end is just captivating. Like, Oh, absolutely. Like, it's... <laughs> fucking damn good movie it's the the movie itself is brilliant it is I, I i i'll put it that way i know those are big words to use um when describing a horror film but it's it really is i mean the the concept behind the movie is fantastic mm-hmm. the execution of the movie is even better and it, the movie itself is just it's brilliant and this you know i was thinking about this the other day I think this is one of those that's a must-see in a theater because I think we're going to lose something from it when it comes to Blu-ray time. Because no, you're, because you're the, absolutely right. The theater aspect of it, and like I say, like that dead silence. And, you know, if someone sneezes, you hear it. If someone coughs, you hear it. Someone eating popcorn, you hear it. It, But not so much even that. It's just like the whole acoustics of the of the theater experience. I think we're going to lose that when it comes to Blu-ray time. If you if you are watching this at home and you have a larger TV with a surround sound system, Mm. you'll get the you'll get the experience. Yes. But you're not going to get this watching it on your phone. You're not going to get this experience watching it on your computer. You you have to watch this in a theater mm-hmm. to get the full experience. And not only that, you have to watch this in a theater with other people. Yes. Like this, this isn't one that you wait until it's almost out of theaters where it's maybe you and two other people in the theater. Right. You need to go now while there's people in the theater, because to me being the horror buff that I am, I'm very desensitized to jump scares and things like that. Same it hair. takes a lot to get me to do that. Mm-hmm. So when I'm in the theater watching a quiet place, I, or even another example, 10 Cloverfield Lane mm-hmm. um, was another one. I had this experience. 
I love experiencing the audience reaction, even though it's not doing it to me. Mm-hmm. I love experiencing it being part of the audience when it happens to them. Yes. And you don't get that if you wait or you mm-hmm. watch this at home. No, it's that. Yeah. Like you, that's what I was, that's part of it as well. Like, like, you, like you, I jump scares don't work for me anymore. Like there might be the, uh, I think when I saw like it at the theater, there was one jump scare that I kind of like went, Ooh, and I was like, okay, it's over. <laughs> it's gone. It's done. Uh, quicker than my sex life. Anyways, uh, <laughs> but wow. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm honest. Okay. I'm, whatever. I, <laughs> I suck at relationships. We'll just move on. But um, <laughs> anyways, uh, like it's true. Like what you say, like just seeing other people's reactions, that, that is a big part of it as well. I admit when I watch movies at home, it's usually by myself or with the dog and the dog, his idea of watching a movie is <laughs> that's what he does. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, I, I don't get that experience of seeing other people react to certain films. I get to hear them tell me about it after when they've seen it, wherever they saw it, seeing it at the theater. It's true. Like, and also like with this film, because of, of, the idea of it being so quiet. We had one girl in my theater. She must have had a cold or something, and she kept trying to hold in her coughs, which was making it worse because then when she finally coughed, it came out like this giant, like, hacking cough. Now, luckily, all of us were kind of... We all must have had a real good sense of humor in the theater because we kept laughing every time it happened. But because everyone was so worried about making a noise, she'd be like... (laughs) And then all of a sudden, and we're like, "Oh, here we go again." She didn't. Fighting it. She didn't do it often, but you could tell what she was trying to hold it in. And then I heard, I, I don't know the true validity behind this, but I've heard stories that apparently, like people farting in the theaters, and it just—I've heard those stories too. It's cracking up the theaters because it's so loud and pronounced, and. But I mean aside from the quiet because we could focus on that a lot but the other there's so many great things about this film the tension build up is fucking amazing like this film there there's hardly any gore at all it's all suspense it oh, is yeah. it's, it is it's almost entirely suspense exactly and i absolutely love that because especially in an era where like everyone's trying to do the flash and dash they want the the bloody gore effects and whatnot which don't get me wrong i truly love but i've been waiting for a good suspenseful movie and we finally got it with this like and the one scene that i don't cringe often but when emily blunt steps on the nail uh-huh oh my god i felt it i i don't normally cringe for films but that i was like oh shit and she can't and you knew it, it was coming yeah, they had already we already they already prefaced it by showing the nail get popped up. Yeah, I'm like, I okay. Mean, the so- moment that got, the moment that happens in the movie, you know, it's going through somebody's foot. Exactly. Because otherwise, why would they have done it? Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, they they kind of like warned us about it, but still, just to see it, I was like, she can't scream. So what the fuck do you do? Like, or when she's having the baby. And she's in labor, and she can't scream. It's like, oh my god, that I, 
I don't know what I would do. I mean, granted, I'm not a woman, so I don't have to worry about it. But <laughs> it's like, I, 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 wow. I mean, kudos. Okay. That's the one thing about this film. And you probably agree with me on this. Well thought out. Like oh well, like I said, the the not only is the the writing of the movie brilliant, as I mentioned before, the execution is brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, and that I think looking back now, thinking about the only negative comments I had ever heard about this movie were is that there were certain elements in the movie that were completely predictable, and I think that nail popping up, I think, was one of them. When oh. something like that happens, obviously you know it's going through somebody's foot at some time. Yes. Um. But, you know, in my opinion, watching that movie, when I saw that nail pop up, I, I the first thought that came to my head was, oh, that's going through John Krasinski's foot. Yeah. Because he's the one that's always going down in the basement. So when it happened to somebody else, it was a little bit of a surprise. It didn't make it as predictable as it could have been. Yes. I mean, okay. You and I, we've both seen more than enough horror films. There are things that we're going to watch in these movies and go, yeah, that was predictable. For... But this one was a mainstream film, so there's a lot of people going to this that don't normally watch horror films. They won't find it as predictable. And there are things that, like, you know, like jump scares. Jump scares will work on people that don't normally see these films. You and I, yeah, we've seen so many of them, we can predict when they're coming. But, I mean, like, it it was, like, watching... I, the, to sort of further the point about like what I was saying, but well thought out when she's going into labor, how they had the fireworks go off. Um, well, yeah, but and, you know, on, on that topic too, just, and again, I, I reuse this word brilliant because I mean, mm-hmm. you look at everything that they went through as survivors in yes. this situation just to prepare for the birth of this baby. I mean, they had a soundproof mm-hmm. crib with oxygen pumping into it so that the baby wouldn't suffocate. Exactly. Um, you know, they had a a section of the basement that was soundproof so that she could feed the baby and be with the baby. Yeah, because they show um, the kids, like, padding it up with paper and, and like, yeah. doing all the paper mache and shit like that. Yeah, like, well thought, like, like you said, brilliant. It's perfect word for it. Not only, not only that, but the thing that really got me, too, was, you know you're living in this world now where you can't make any sounds or you're being hunted. And, you know, just the simple idea of laying out sand and walking on sand to pad your footsteps. The painted footsteps on the the steps to the basement. To mark the creeks in the floor so that you don't make any of these noise. These, just these subtle little nuances that are thrown into this movie Mm -hmm. bring so much more realistic aspect into it that, again, just make this movie what it is. And, like, another thing that I noticed, okay... And I've mentioned it on the podcast before, especially when it comes time to foreign films, where people will complain, I hate reading subtitles. This movie, you don't even realize you're reading them. No, I didn't either. I had somebody say that, too. Um, I had friends, uh, husband and wife, Mm -hmm. who went, and the wife loved the movie, and she said her husband wasn't too crazy about the movie because he doesn't like watching movies where he has to to read subtitles. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until she said that that I realized, I was like, oh, yeah, holy shit. I was reading subtitles almost this entire movie. Yep. 
didn't even realize it because I was so engrossed in it that I just never even realized I was reading subtitles. I know it, it was very like interesting because I was thinking about it like and it was, I thought about it more so after I had seen the film because I was talking with a friend about how like they use like actual sign language. This wasn't like some, you know, bullshit thing or anything like actual sign language with an actress who is actually deaf. And I'm like, and there were subtitles and I kind of like slowed when I said the word subtitles and he's like, what? And I'm like, I didn't realize that I actually was <laughs> reading them the whole movie because there's only technically four minutes of dialogue. That's yeah. it. The rest of the movie is sign language or like motioning. And, and that's another thing too, like silent actors. There's a, you have to really be able to emote yourself through actions. And all of the actors did that amazingly in this movie. Because oh, without, with, in a flawless way. Exactly. Because they can't talk. Like we get what? There's the scene behind the waterfall. And this, there's one scene in the basement, I think you said. And yeah. that's it. To my and knowledge. All the di- and all the dialogue, most of it is John Krasinski. Yes. I know. Because he's the only one actor in both of those scenes. Mm-hmm. I know. And he's the writer and the producer and the director. <laughs> he had his name a, all over this movie. A man of many faces for this film. And did a fucking great job. And it's it's funny too because I I had to I had a conversation with my girlfriend about this because she she knew I saw the movie she really has she's not one to go see horror movies in theaters and um, we had a conversation the other night at like three thirty in the morning where she wanted to know how the movie played out and I'm like do you really want me to spoil it for you and she said yeah she's like I'm not I'm not gonna see it uh, I'm not gonna see it in theater she was the same way with uh, with Split. Okay. With the the James McAvoy film, yeah, uh, and Ten Cloverfield Lane. I pretty much I'm her Cliff Notes version of the film, and she gets so engrossed in the story that I'm telling her, and you know, and this time around I'm telling her and I'm trying to explain it to her, and I'm explaining like the whole birthing scene with Emily Blunt and and how it ends with John Krasinski's sacrifice and and such. Uh, spoiler and <laughs> oh, um, we're, 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 this is totally spoilery, so. Oh, you guys are like us with DC Primetime. It's oh, yeah. well known you're going to spoil the shit out of it. And <laughs> she got so engrossed in the movie. She's like, well, what did they say? I'm like, uh, nothing. That's yeah. the point. Like they don't make like I explained about the loss of their son in the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie. She's like, well, how did they? I'm like, she's like, did they? I'm like, no, they can't scream like they pretty much had to sit there and watch. And it took her a couple minutes before she finally grasped the concept that, like, they cannot make any noise in this. But just yeah. explaining the movie to her, she got engrossed in the story and she didn't even get to see it. So hopefully that was just more portrayal of the, of the film that got yeah. her into it. But the story is that engaging that it's, you know, it just it sucks you in. And what and also another thing, like, what a great side story to have that the daughter felt guilty for her brother's death and always thought her father didn't love her because of it. And then that scene at the end where she goes in the basement and sees that he constantly was trying to help her here and that he had been working on all this equipment and shit. I was like, holy shit. Like you did a great job giving us a feel good story on top of all this. 
in a horror film. Like, yeah. again, it was just so wonderfully written. Like, and and a feel good story and a feel good side story that by the end of the film ties back into the main story. Exactly. Like, I, I I was blown away. Like when I saw this, and I was like, "Wow, this was a whole lot more than just a horror movie." Like there was so many elements going on at all. Like, and for each of the characters, every single character, like of the of the family, I should say all have their own things they're dealing with as yeah. well as the fact that there's these monsters. Like the monsters yeah. almost become a side story to the family. <laughs> but that's, that's just the, again, the brilliance of the writing. Exactly. That, you know, you're able to focus that story so much to a point where, and it, you know, we've mentioned the stuff like the sand and things like that, but there are so many other little nuances that they put in this from the lighting outside mm -hmm. to, um, you know, to the, the lighting changing red so that they yep. know not to come in or they know that something's going on, that they've these these creatures have come into their area. So, you know, all these different warning signs that they have and distractions that they have set up. And the other thing that is really mentioned is very rarely mentioned in the film, but is made realized outside of the old man that screams and sacrifice, you know, so that right. these creatures come and get him. Mm. There's another moment in the film that it's made aware that there are other survivors out there. When they do the lighting on top of the... Um, on top uh, of the silo. Yes. Which... You see a good, at least six or seven other fires lit. So you know that there are other survivors in this world. That totally reminded me of Lord of the Rings, too. The fire... Yeah, the... Um, uh, the, the, I, torches of, uh, the torches of Gondor? Yes. I, yeah. Totally reminded me of that. I was like, wow, that was fucking... That was... Nice, like, because I never would have thought of that for this film. And then all of yeah. a sudden, like, he's lighting his fire, and then you see another one and another one. I'm like, holy shit, that was like really awesome. And it's obviously showing that ever that's these people's way of communicating of we're still here, kind of thing. And it was like, wow, like they even thought that part out. Like, it's so well done. It was fun. Yeah, now I... Oh, sorry, go on. No, 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 go ahead. I was just going to say, you brought up a point earlier about Cloverfield. There was actually, an, a, a, at a time where the writers were considering pitching this as the next Cloverfield film. Really? And it, it, it could have worked as a uh, Cloverfield project. Exactly. Uh, apparently, it was Paramount Pictures that said, no, we're not going to go that route. But I guess it was something that was somewhat discussed. Um, 10 Cloverfield Lane was, I believe, in the theaters at the time they were writing this. And they kind of got that idea. Myself, personally, like, I don't mind Cloverfield Paradox. I thought it was okay, but... I still haven't watched it. I would have liked this more as a Cloverfield film. Because it, especially like Cloverfield, uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, is basically its own movie just with a Cloverfield tie-in thrown in there. This actually seems more like a Cloverfield film than even that did. And yet I will not 
knock 10 Cloverfield Lane because John Goodman fucking ruled <laughs> that movie. But um, Oh, I loved 10 Cloverfield Lane. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I absolutely like love the shit out of that movie. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I had read that um, both Scott Beck and Brian Woods had revealed that while they were writing this and putting the whole thing together, they had considered making it part of the Cloverfield universe. And it was funny when you mentioned that earlier. I was like, oh, shit. Like, he just kind of set that up for me. <laughs> well, because it does kind of have that feel to it. It does. It could very easily be a Cloverfield project. And I could see it being that now that you said that. Mm-hmm. Well, especially, like, these creatures, like, could easily have come from, like, space or whatever. Um, or wherever Cloverfield creatures are coming from. Which... I gotta watch what I say because you haven't seen Cloverfield Paradox yet, but <laughs> oh, it's fine. But um, well, because let's put it, the way I look at Cloverfield Paradox. I know there's some people that love it, some people hate it, whatever. I kind of looked at it that it was Cloverfield's version of the Flashpoint Paradox. Oh, really? Yeah, you'll you'll kind when you finally see it, you'll kind of get where I'm coming from with that. Um, because it's not like totally like that, obviously, but it's. There were similarities. I was like, huh. It's you know, it's like Cloverfield took a bit from DC, but I don't know. I, I was reading actually that I guess a lot of these Cloverfield films, a lot of them aren't meant to be Cloverfield films until they tie it like Cloverfield ten uh ten Cloverfield Lane was not technically a Cloverfield film at first. No, it wasn't only until the very end. Yeah. That there was even a slight tie in into it. And Cloverfield Paradox apparently was the same thing. Okay. So, I don't know. That it it just it was uh, it was intriguing you brought that up. I was like, "Oh shit, he set that up for me nicely. Awesome." <laughs> there you go. Now, I got to ask um it, the way that a quiet place ends. Mm-hmm. They there's kind of a resolution in that you they kind of they finally realize a way that they can stop these creatures, mm-hmm. which I think there's even uh, there's even genius in that as well, because it was hinted at throughout the entire movie. And mm-hmm. I will admit that that little aspect of the movie was kind of predictable that you kind of realize, OK, by the end of the film, this is how they're going to realize that they can hurt these creatures. Yes. Um, and then the movie ends with, you know, staring at a microphone, realizing they can amplify this sound. Emily Blunt cocking that shotgun mm-hmm. fade to black. Yeah. Very obviously left open possibly for a sequel but do you think it needs it no me neither i'm the same I way i think th- you leave it as that I'm leave f- it completely open-ended mm-hmm. let the let the audience think of for themselves what happens next as much as i love horror films my Biggest problem with the horror genre is too many goddamn sequels. Let this stand on its own. Don't touch it. Leave it as it is. Don't go back to it. Don't make a fucking franchise out of it. I, like you said, completely open-ended. Leave it to the audience. Let's not go back. Yeah, we don't I, need a Quiet Place 7. No. Exactly. They're fucking doing Saw 9, for God's sakes. Like That's st- why I said it. <laughs> it. You know what I mean? Like, stop. Like, yeah. John Carpenter has said that this Halloween that's coming out in October is the final Halloween. I hope that's not a lie. 
until I'm, he dies and somebody else takes over the franchise. Which, fine, whatever. But by then, it'll be like 20 years down the road, and I fucking won't be worrying about it anyways. But it's <laughs> like, let if he says it's going to be the final one, I mean, he's scoring the music, and he's been on set. Yes, I've heard the rumors about these test screenings not doing so well, but whatever. It seems kind of bullshit to me, but whatever. That said, if this is the final one, let it be the final one. With um, A Quiet Place, literally stop. Do not go any further. You've you've given us a, a almost a pitch-perfect movie. Let's not... I, no, no more extensions. Just let it be. Because it was so perfect the way it was. No, I'm, I'm in complete agreement. It's This is one of those films that you just leave it be uh, and leave what happens next to mystery. Exactly. My, If I have a complaint about this film, and it's a very minor one because it was something that I kind of commented about on social media but like really didn't give a shit about, was... The only area where I had to sort of have a sense of disbelief, I mean, aside from the fact of monsters, but um, is the fact that she got pregnant while this is all going on. I thought that was a little odd, but at the same time, I understood. I was like, okay, it's to explain the film. And not to mention, it gave us one of the most coolest scenes in the movie when she's in labor and that creature is literally right behind her and she's in the bathtub. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to bitch about this because it brought a lot to the movie but i was like who would seriously get pregnant like during something like this but i mean accidents happen right so i mean yeah you, you can easily write that off like i mean like it was it wasn't something where i'm sitting there going well this fucking movie's ruined like it was just i was kind of thinking <laughs> i'm like i don't know if i'd be so horny in a situation like this but hey who knows <laughs> Not to mention, it's no fun when you can't make noise in that situation either. Exactly. But (laughs) I'll be honest. I'll be honest with you, though. I can understand it in this movie. What I can't understand is an alien covenant when they're having sex after their whole fucking team's been demolished on the ship. And I hope I didn't spoil anything for you, but that movie is fucking ridiculous. (laughs) Nope, you didn't ruin anything. Okay. It was ridiculous. I seriously, that is the one. That and um, Blair Witch Book of Shadows. Two films where I absolutely wish I could have had my time back. Here's here's my thing. And I know this is getting off topic, but yep. Blair, Blair Witch, the original Blair Witch, mm-hmm. I, I will pride it in the fact that it was able to build suspense without music. Yes. I'll give it that. Yes. But the movie was boring as fuck yep. until the last five, ten minutes of that movie. And then the last five, ten minutes of that movie, I was like, all right, what the hell's going to happen next? That's where you leave it. Mm. And I, I was like, okay. The last five, ten minutes were great. Mm-hmm. The rest of that movie was boring as shit. And then you go to Book of Shadows, where I was actually intrigued the entire movie. So was movie I. Well, not the entire movie. the but... last five, ten minutes of the movie, which <laughs> ruined the whole movie. Yeah. I think I got about halfway through that film, and then I was kind of like, the fuck am I watching here? Yeah. I think, yeah, I like, think it was maybe like the last third of the movie, like yeah. the third act of the movie. I was like, what the hell is happening now? Like, yeah. you just completely lost the plot. Mm-hmm. And then 
I'm a huge, huge fan, and I think most of us are a huge fan of the Alien films. You know, Alien, Aliens, even Alien 3 is a very decent, solid film. Well, until you get to Prometheus. Well, even Resurrection, Alien Resurrection can go fuck itself. I mean, yes, I know it's, um, what's his name there? Fucking, oh shit, Joss Whedon film. Whatever. I still Alien Resurrection with Joss Whedon? Yeah, he wrote it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he wrote it. Um, I granted, I I can watch it because Winona Ryder's in it, and I do like her acting, but yeah, I don't like the movie. I'll be honest. And then there was Prometheus, which I was like, okay, I don't really care for this, but you know what? It's it could lead to something great. Then I see Covenant, and I'm like, fuck you, I'm done. <laughs> fuck yep. you, like. The the amount of plot holes, and okay, I'm a very easy guy to please when it comes to movies. I watch movies like Spookies and fucking Street Trash, okay? Like, I don't have a hard time watching cheesy, campy, fucked up movies. But this, there were so many plot holes, I'm like, okay, I, I, I'm lost. Like, I... I don't know what to tell you anymore. And then we get to that scene where the two, the the couple are having sex in space after their whole, basically their whole team's been slaughtered by this alien. And oh, let's get my groove on. What the fuck? That that was it. I was like, that's, yeah. I'm done. I walked out of that theater going, I don't know how I feel about this film. And by the time I got home, I hated it. It's so getting back to. Uh, a quiet place yes the the pregnancy had me kind of scratching my head a little bit but for everything that it brought to the film after like after the fact she gets pregnant i was like okay you know what i don't care how weird it might have been you just gave me a damn good movie because of it yeah so yeah exactly that's kind of where i was going with all of that is the fact that those films they did some weird shit and it ruined the film this yeah, okay, I can't see someone getting pregnant during this, but holy fuck, like, that scene when she's in the bathtub, I was not, like, scared or nothing, but just totally engrossed in what I was watching. Oh, I was too. I was completely in... I don't want to say in awe, because that's the wrong word Uh, to use. But no, but engrossed is the perfect way to put it. That mm. was exactly how I was, not just in that scene, but in many different scenes. I mean, the kids falling into, um, you know, the kids falling into, into the, the silo, silo, yeah, and trying to survive while at the same time these things are, you know, mm-hmm. on the outskirts of that, ready to get them. Yeah, I mean, there was just a ton of different scenes that I was just totally drawn into. Even like, okay, I'm not a parent, but thinking like sort of like in a parental kind of way, you're dealing with something like this. It's nighttime and you're all separated. How do you think as a parent, like, how do you feel about your kids? Like, I know there's the one one part where he basically is like telling his wife, like, you know, I, I've kind of trained the kids to prepare for this, but they're still young children. Like, you can't tell me that even though you've prepared them for it, that in the in the back of your mind, you're not thinking the worst scenario possible. Like it, it in that aspect, I'm sure their hearts are beating a mile a minute as well, which the audience we're feeling what they're feeling. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah. uh, uh, so well crafted this movie, like 
I, I think one of the things that I really enjoyed about this film is that you almost get the feeling that when they were writing it, they were writing it from a viewer's perspective. And I think that's a good chance of what they were exactly they were doing. I mean, mm -hmm. John Krasinski has a good handle on a lot of that. And while there were additional writers that helped him, he was the main writer in this film. Yes. I mean, I watched interviews with him where he was on set with Emily, you know, on a project that she was working on. And he was basically writing ideas for this film down on napkins. Yeah. You know, while she was working and he was watching the kids. Mm -hmm. So, I mean – while there were like again there were additional writers he was he was the main guy behind this and yes. as somebody who's been as you know a part of the the office for as long as he was mm -hmm. and you know interacting with the audience for so long on a project such as that he knows what the audience wants and he incorporated that into yep. the writing i have no doubt about that and because of this film also i mean as i announced last week on my uh episode for ready player one platinum dunes have now said they're not they're no longer doing remakes they want to do all original material from this point on because of this movie yeah when you find the success that this movie has now mm -hmm. that's not to say that they're going to be successful in that route they have to no, find no. other projects that are just as good if not better or at least as good oh definitely as this not everything's going to be as good as this and catch the lightning in a bottle that this has no but at least now they'll finally put the remakes to rest because yeah. they, they've been pumping them out like crazy like i had announced last week like they did um oh shit what were they now they did well nightmare on elm street which was utter trash uh texas chainsaw massacre uh, Amityville Horror, I think they were responsible for. Like, I mean, like, Michael Bay's been basically pumping out remake after remake after remake, and then this movie comes along, and they're like, okay, you know what? We're we're at a point now. We don't need the remakes to keep our name relevant anymore. Um, and I mean, what... And, and this movie showed that Michael Bay can make a movie without blowing something up. Right? Exactly. <laughs> yes, there... I, I mean, okay. And that was kind of something I was I was discussing with a friend, is that because he was like, well, is there like, is it a loud movie? I'm like, you know what? The sound effects that happen, I think, seem louder because the movie's so quiet. Like, there's times where, like, you know, like, like the one part where you see a hand come out and grab somebody, and there's like a boom. Not normally would we notice the sound for that, but because the movie's so quiet, every little sound seems amplified by ten. Yeah. Like, and I'm just, I'm really impressed with this fucking movie. Like, <laughs> for me, it's an eight out of 10 easily. I, I'd even go no as. Lie, I, I was going to say, no lie. Again, it's, it takes a lot for me to appreciate horror mm -hmm. in a theater. I haven't appreciated a good horror film in the theater since 10 Cloverfield Lane. Mm -hmm. um, I've enjoyed horror, but I haven't really appreciated horror right. because everything's so cliche. Everything is so overdone, overacted, um, unoriginal. Uh, you know, like I could have I, I could have gone to see Jigsaw in theaters. I didn't because the story has been told. All yeah. you did was change the title, you know, and just put a little bit of a. a polish on the coating i to make I, it look I, new the, the saw films i tapped out after five i, I haven't i seen... tapped out after three <laughs> okay i haven't seen six seven eight i won't see nine i i don't care 
you know, but like Annabelle, I, I didn't need to go see Annabelle creation and all that mm. in theaters. It's like, if I want to watch them, I'll watch them at home. As long as I saw the original in theaters, it's fine. Yeah. But I haven't gone to a theater to see a horror movie and appreciate it for what it is since 10 Cloverfield Lane. And I really enjoyed and like, I mean, I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. Mm -hmm. It's very rare that even if I go see a horror movie in theaters, I enjoy it so much to go see it a second time. Mm -hmm. Um, because once you see it in theaters the first time, you've gotten the experience. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, it's not like a Marvel film where it's big and boisterous and you get that blow me away aspect every time you go and see it. It Once you've gotten the the, the scare and everything out yeah. of it, you've you've gotten it. Yeah, it's not another film that you could see multiple times is like Ready Player One, because each time you're looking for more eggs, you didn't see the last time you saw it. Oh, yeah, it's it's um, it's a different film every time. But this is one of those films that. I absolutely wanted to go see a second time in theaters and mm -hmm. I will before it is out of theaters. Oh, same here. Same here. So I absolutely... a, it, this movie was at least an eight and a half, nine out of 10. Yeah. I, I, I say eight, I would even give it a nine. Like it's that good. And especially like, I know like people have been like kind of hyping up the fact that the last, I'd say year, year and a half horror has really, kind of taken a mainstream stage especially with films like uh happy death day get out um shape what's of the one shape yeah, of water what's the one that's out now um truth or dare i haven't heard too many good things about that one but yeah that one's out right now um but yeah like horror has been kind of actually like making its presence known and whatnot but I have to agree with you. I don't think I've appreciated one like this um, in in this whole time. Like, because even like, like movies like Get Out in the Shape of Water, they're horror to a degree, but I think they sort of fit in other categories as well. Especially Shape of Water is very much a romance movie. There is definitely elements of horror and like creature feature aspects to it well i wouldn't say there's elements of horror but i mean it's origins yes stemmed yeah. from horror yes exactly um but it's more a romance than anything else and it's a time oh, piece yeah. it's a time piece it shows like what it was like i think what it it's takes a hellboy place. prequel even though they say it's not a hellboy prequel that's yes yes that's definitely. it's abe sapien <laughs> it's, it's exactly abe sapien. it is yeah. the same actor that plays abe sapien in the hellboy movies and it is the same creature costume yeah. good old doug it, jones it's abe sapien yeah it is a hellboy prequel i don't care what Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro <laughs> says it is a hellboy prequel <laughs> We'll go with that then. We'll just stick with it. I'm not going to argue with you. Not, right. not that I have much of an argument to that because now that I'm thinking about it, it's a damn good point. <laughs> See? <laughs> it's a damn good point. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I, I think you nailed it. it there, there has not been a film that I have appreciated like I did this one in quite a while quite a while like and like i said like i enjoyed stephen king's it um alien covenant can blow me uh <laughs> like can prometheus I, I am curious what halloween is going to be like come october i carpenter's hyping it up which kind of has me thinking 
this is going to be a good movie because he's hyping it up. Uh, and he didn't, as, as much as he wasn't um, opposed to the Rob Zombie films, he didn't hype them like he is this one. So I'm feeling good vibes. I know, like I said, there was that test screening that apparently there's been one or two people who've come out and said that the movie was shit. But then again, this is 2018 and everyone, people, everyone thinks that every movie is shit. But anyways, um, but yeah, everybody's got a voice now. Exactly. But yeah, I I think A Quiet Place, like I said, if my only knock at it is I have a hard time believing she got pregnant during this, that's saying a lot because this movie was just, fuck. I... Even to this moment, I still will be thinking about it, and it's like, oh, I didn't think about that, or wow, they did that really well. Like, it's just one that I just keep appreciating more and more. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you, and it's one of those ones that I know I'm going to keep appreciating every time I see it. Mm-hmm. And it's more than anything else, it stopped me. Now, I mean, there's been some other stuff that he has done since um the office that john krasinski has done Mm -hmm. i know he is either scheduled to or already has filmed the jack ryan series because i know he's the new jack ryan for amazon yeah um which i'm very interested to see uh Mm -hmm. even more so now after seeing this and more than anything else with this film this has solidified john krasinski as not only an A-list actor, but an A-list writer. Oh, yes, definitely. And, and director. Mm-hmm. And producer. <laughs> and producer. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't do the music score, but <laughs> getting Marco Beltrami was a, a, a good pull, though. Oh, yeah. And I, I got to ask, did you watch The Office at all? No, I, I was not a uh, it's not I wasn't a fan. I never watched it. So I, I don't know if I would have liked it or not. OK, because there is a there was actually and I'm there's a part of me that wonders if this is where this movie actually stemmed from. There is actually an episode of The Office where the beginning of the episode starts with everybody in the office playing a game of silence. And oh. it was to see who could go the longest without making a sound. And there's even parts in that scene where, like, the phone starts ringing and everybody looks at that person to see if they're going to answer it. Because part of the game is you're not even allowed to answer your phone. You are not allowed to make a sound. Oh, wow. Um, And I don't know who did it online, but whoever did it is brilliant. Mm -hmm. Somebody took that video, that episode of The Office, and combined it with other scenes of The Office and A Quiet Place to make it seem like Dwight Schrute from The Office was the one behind the invasion. Oh, shit. (laughs) And it is brilliant. I posted it on Facebook after I saw it with, in all capital letters, who did this? Because it was was just fantastic. (laughs) Gotta love the internet sometimes. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And there was another one that my girlfriend showed me, too, that was, it was uh, a little bit more crude and not... uh, as thought out as the office one, but it was basically the scene with Emily Blunt in the tub, uh, trying not to make sounds as she's giving birth. And it was just like a bunch of fart noises. Behind oh, it. Jesus Christ. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. It is what it is. All right. Well, I think that's a good point to end on for this episode. 
Um, we'll just basically do the plugs and whatnot and recommendations if you have any, and we'll get the hell out of here, as you and Rob always say on DC Primetime. Yes. So for okay. what lurks behind podcast zero, you can definitely find it at the next level radio online.com website. And as I say every week, don't just stop at my podcast. There is a shit ton of great shit on there. Um, with more to come with more to come. Exactly. You know, DC primetime melting pat, uh, con talk, oyster uh, mill playhouse, ca- B pod ca- caffeine crew that just released their ready player. One episode, I still have to listen to, but uh, I'm looking forward to it because, uh, as I said, I, th- I told you this, uh, I think, actually, before we started recording, that um, they probably did a more thorough job than I did because I know they were going into the whole nostalgia thing. and Oh, the first and, half of the show was all 80s and 90s nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. So I definitely want to check We don't even start that. talking Ready Player One until the second half. Yeah. So I definitely want to check that out for sure. I mean, I grew that that is my era is the 80s. So I mean, it, although the film did more 80s, 70s, 80s and 90s, I noticed it kind of stretched it out a bit more, but I had no problems with it. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah. Um, what Lurks Behind Podcast Zero can be found on Facebook at facebook.com slash what lurks behind podcast zero. Uh, Instagram at what lurks behind podcast zero. Twitter at WLB podcast underscore zero. Uh, letterboxed where I do write some reviews. Uh, letterboxd.com slash WLB underscore podcast zero. And there's the Redbubble store redbubble.com slash people slash podcast number zero. Do not write the word zero. And that is that. Uh, how about you, Ben? What would you- uh, well, you did mention the next level radio online.com mm-hmm. website, which is where you can find uh, your podcast, my podcast, which is uh, DC primetime show spotlight, which is our celebrity interview one, um, as well as all the other great ones that you mentioned. Uh, Facebook.com slash next level radio online is the Facebook page for that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, DC primetime is my other main one, as well as the showcast spotlight, but showcast spotlight usually posts on the next level uh, Facebook page, mm-hmm. uh, DC prime time, which is our Facebook, which is our podcast talking about the DC shows every week, mainly flash Supergirl, arrow legends of tomorrow and black lightning. Mm-hmm. That's uh facebook.com slash DC prime time. And of course, as you mentioned too, with along with all the other ones, there's some other great podcasts in the works, including a lost rewatch podcast, which is launching June 1st. I mentioned earlier, yep. uh, Wilhelm, which is a film round table podcast, mm-hmm. which will be starting. And I haven't heard back from her yet, but I'm hoping she is into the idea of possibly launching a new podcast. Don't know what the topics will be yet, but with her, who the hell knows uh, <laughs> possibly doing maybe a bi-weekly podcast with the awesome Dana DiLorenzo from the former and now unfortunately ending Ash versus Evil Dead. Yeah. So I hope that podcast happens because there's well, been ever since my interview with her, a number of people have asked for it. I told you so, myself, I said, after I heard that, I was like, you guys need to go into podcasting like the two of you because that interview uh, from the Showcast Spotlight was fucking hilarious. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. 
And just imagine how it would be every week or every other week without a stars rep listening in, controlling right. the time. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. With her? Yeah. <laughs> the sky's the limit, man. In a very good way. <laughs> but Dana has a lot of cool connections, too, which means we could get some pretty awesome guests on that podcast. Oh, as well. shit. Yeah, for sure. So sure. including possibly maybe a Mr. Bruce Campbell. Who knows? That would be fucking sweet. Yes. And on that yeah. note, it's time to say goodbye, everyone. Keep it groovy because we'll keep Ash alive in our hearts. So we're going to keep it groovy. And uh, next week, I believe I'm doing a cabin in the woods, but I will be also talking about Shockstock which is the horror convention out of uh, London, Ontario. I'm going. I got it all worked out. I already got my tickets. I'm going. So it's going to be, uh, I'll definitely be able to talk about that next week. And uh, I also believe I'm going to be guest hosting on another podcast as well. Are you? Uh, yeah. Some, some, <laughs> some guys, uh, apparently one is uh, on vacation and I've been asked to uh, talk about DC shows have that's right yeah i know so uh <laughs> next weekend i'll also be doing dc primetime with this guy ben yes. back i'm with you this week and you're with me next week yep so thanks again everyone for listening and have yourself a great week keep it groovy take care guys <laughs>